1: National for Texas Tech. Garibay, the boot is away, welcome one, welcome all to the Tortillas and Takes Podcast. You are on once again with your boy, I'll Be Sure. And it is Butt Bowl Week. That's right. We are celebrating all things butt. And that is Baylor University versus Texas Tech. Uh, in Waco, the battle of two, two and three teams that their seasons have perfectly mirrored each other. We talked about it in the last episode. We're gonna get into it in this episode uh, to get into it truly and get you know butt to butt with me. I have the people champ himself, Jeremy Gillen. What's up, Jeremy?
0: Oh, you did it. <laughs> I was thinking. I was trying. I was going through the how. What kind of butt pun can I make going into this? and you had a book in years with a really good butt one now I can't think of anything but well, here I am in lovely Orlando, Florida. I have been exiled. The rat council has exiled me. I am now no longer in Lubbock. Um the people's champ no more apparently, but uh <laughs> yeah, dude. But but bowl season is here. I'm super excited. And um I ha- I'm starting to get hopes for this game, which is very scary. Very scary I'm given the hopes. um Getting hopes, getting getting hopes, and seeing our uh, uniform reveal. And Justin uh, Apodaca tweeted that thing out, right? O oh and five in these in these uniform combination. O oh and five. It's also an ugly Love combination. So let's us. talk about it. Black helmet,
1: white jersey, red pants. Those are a terrible combination. It just feels like you can't make a
0: decision, so you pick one <laughs> each. <laughs>
1: that's, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I I personally like symmetry and the fact that like when we're on the road, I like. Either you're gonna wear white, that's cool, no problem with that. Either wear black, white, black or red, white, red. Yeah. Um. Or or all like white top, white pants. The all whites, right? The and all then you, whites. Whatever yeah. the hell you do with your helmet doesn't matter. But like that's those should be your options. If you do anything else, I just it, it, it's it's off. And that, there's a reason we're 0 and 5 because I feel like players put this that combination on and they're just like, huh, eh, well, let's go play a game. I like don't this. feel it. I don't. I, don't I ain't feel it. feeling this.
0: Yeah, and I'm kind of disappointed that for two games now, once against West Virginia and the other against now Baylor, we've had the penultimate opportunity to wear, to push the envelope and, and wear our colored our reds, and we could have had the condiment bowl, right? West Virginia came out and they're all yellows, mustard-looking ass. And Baylor's looking <laughs> the same thing. And Baylor's about to, and we got Tucci. It will not happen again. It will not happen again. And we fumbled the we fumbled the opportunity there. Although I think that strategically, you have to like write a letter and have it submitted to uh, the athletic department of the other university to like get approval that you can wear your color uniforms. So uh, Baylor, Texas Tech Baylor is would, not going to put that happen. that happen.
1: I just think we should do we should do we should do all whites. Like it would have been great to see all whites versus all that ugly ugly uh that color that's not pretty but it's butt ugly
0: it is butt ugly <laughs> absolutely um
1: uh, so that's i want as you're listening to this episode listen to all the butt pen, puns we've, we've got, we're, we're two we're two in already
0: Get the butt counter going
1: <laughs> <laughs> ding i need like a little bell <laughs> that's that's right. that's right um so so yeah, so it's a battle of the butts, and the main thing here is is that when I say the battle of the butts, every year we have the butt bowl, it's always a thing, and usually at least one of these teams are good whenever we come, and a lot of times, it's recently it's at least been Baylor, but a lot of times at least one of these teams have been good or decent. This year, both teams kind of stink, and both teams stink identically. I talked about it in the last episode, but both teams, very first game, lost to a group of five team, right? For Texas Tech, it was Wyoming, for... Uh, for Baylor, it was Texas State, right? Uh, both losing to a group of five teams. Next, very next game, both teams played a top 15 Pac-12 opponent, uh, Texas Tech playing or 13th-ranked Oregon. Baylor, on the other hand, playing 12th-ranked Utah. In both games, both Texas Tech and Baylor had the lead in the fourth quarter. In both games, you would have thought Texas Tech's going to win or Baylor's going to win. And in both games, they let the Pac-12 team come in at the end and steal the victory uh, from the claws of defeat. So Game 3 for both teams, now going into Game 3, 0-2, both teams played an FCS team where they won convincingly. Uh, for Texas Tech, of course, we ended up beating Charleston State 41-3. Baylor beat Long Island 30-7, right? Game 4 for both teams, it was opening Big 12 play. For Baylor, it was against Texas, and it, they got whooped by Texas. Texas beat them like they stole something. For Texas Tech, it was against West Virginia, and though we didn't get whooped, it was a game, and the way the embarrassing part was is the game Texas Tech like, was favoring. On the road, they were still favored. A lot of people don't think West Virginia is going to be a good team this year. So far, West Virginia's been proving doubters wrong, doubters including myself, wrong. Um, but either way, both teams losing their opening Big 12 game. And then last week, both teams... Down in the first half against newcomers, Big Twelve newcomers for Texas Tech, it's Houston for Baylor, it's UCF. Uh, the biggest difference here is is that we were down in the first half. Like the the the, the last time we were down was in the second quarter, twenty one to fourteen, and then we made a run and and from that time being down twenty one to fourteen, Texas Tech goes off and scores, uh, blows out U of Ace thirty five to seven. For UCF, however, when Baylor played UCF. UCF was up 35 to 7, and Baylor came all the way back. And one already the biggest comeback of the year in college football this year. I don't know anyone else that's going to beat it for the rest of the year. Uh, a great, great comeback from Baylor. But either way, very identical record. It was, and I joked about it last game. It was almost like Baylor saw Texas Tech win and said, oh, well, we got to keep up. And won the game. So, Spider Man memes in this game.
0: <laughs> to all Spider Man all spooderman memes in this game like the ding kind of physically challenged spider-man we'll, we'll call it that way um but yeah i mean both of us having just to, and we did the segment you know we kind of did that ending that ending segment last and the recap pod for houston of just quizzing you know what was it who is this baylor or tech and it's just both of them because it's been such an awkward uh season for us both and Without consistency, I think is the answer to that one. Without consistency, although I will say when the way that we handled um, Houston was a little bit—I mean, infinitely more dominating—the way that um, Baylor got the edge over UCF, Uh, UCF put up twenty-one in the first quarter, and Baylor got seven, and then it just kind of disappeared. They didn't see the end zone until the fourth quarter again, but in the fourth quarter they put up twenty-six points. To be fair, to be fair, and, Baylor's the,
1: and UCF's a much better team than Houston. All right. I, I And actually, UCF, uh, I don't know if they were the favorites, but I know I picked them to win that game. I expected them to win that game. Um, I, I thought that UCF was a better team than Baylor, and, and Baylor came back and made that incredible comeback in the fourth quarter. So definitely props to them. And I will say, going into the fourth quarter, I looked at this game and I thought, man, Texas Tech should win it. Then I saw Baylor come back, and I'm like, no, I don't know anymore. Right, the Baylor showed for the first time all season, I would say, some moxie. They showed some moxie, they showed some fight, and I really hadn't seen that from Baylor all year long. Like, it's you know, we, I haven't really seen them fight, even Texas Tech, the way we've lost games. Wyoming, there was at least we didn't we lost, but there was some fight at the very least, right? West Virginia, we lost, but there was fight. I haven't even seen fight out of Baylor all season long. The, the, the loss to Texas State was an embarrassment, that wasn't even close. Uh, the the um, the the whole Utah fiasco. That fourth quarter was an embarrassment for them, right? To where Utah just kind of the even while down, it was almost like Utah was like, yeah, we'll be fine. The, the, this Baylor team has not fought all year until last week, and so that was the first time I saw that fight, that, which has been kind of surprising because Dave Aranda's first couple of years at Baylor, Baylor was all fight. That was all they. That was their brand. Was they were going to be a tough, mentally strong team. <laughs> and they have not been this year up until last week or last year. Now I know why you're making that face, uh, but it's because the the brand might've left two years ago. And maybe that's what it is, but they just haven't been a mentally strong team uh, since Joey Maguire's left. And I'm not attributing it to Joey Maguire leaving, but I am saying that we're just not seeing that culture that Dave Aranda initially instituted.
0: Yeah. And so, and you know, I watched more Dave Aranda, Interviews and especially as he's been interviewed ahead of this Texas Tech game, and you definitely can tell. I wonder that fourth quarter comeback was meteoric for the Bears, and I'm wondering where they're getting it from because it's been totally and wholly inconsistent with their identity the past, you know, year and a half, two years. So for me, I'm wondering what is it about the UCF game that really kicked him like. Really gave them that, okay, we got to pull this together. You know, we joke about, oh, Texas deck one, Got to keep it similar. But truly, I wonder what it was or what it is that Baylor is. The, did they just catch lightning in a bottle and just threw it back and then beat UCF? But then maybe this week they lay an egg again? I have no idea because Baylor just has not been that consistent team this season. So it's hard, it's hard to say.
1: Yeah, no, it is hard to say. And that lightning in a bottle, I just hope we find the crack.
0: Another one. Yep, there it is.
1: <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I I, I am curious. I, I agree with you. I'm curious if this is now the change we're going to see in the Baylor Bears team or if it is just, it was a fluke. They right? got, you know, started getting some things happening their way. They rolled the momentum. They won a game. But the team we saw in the first three quarters is really cognizant of the Baylor team that we're we're going to have. And it's a it's a big question there. So let's start off talking about Baylor a little bit. So starting off with their quarterback, Blake Shapin. So Blake Shapin is a guy that a lot of Baylor fans were very excited about when he first got to campus. I mean, he was supposed to be, you know, a a gunslinging quarterback, guy that was a a bit of a dual threat, could do it all. and, And he was, I think, if I'm not mistaken, was one of the highest rated prospects that Baylor had coming in. It was a high three-star, uh, one of the best quarterbacks out of Louisiana. And it's it's they were really excited for him. They were really excited for him to come into this program. Last year was his first year as a starter, and he disappointed. Was not very good. Just point blank wasn't very good, right? Um, and so coming but but again, it's his first year as a starter. You kind of think, though he wasn't that great you know maybe it's not maybe it's it's nothing to it's a scoff at maybe it's just something as simple as we got to give him a little bit of time to learn how to play the position learn how to be better get a full year under your belt as the starting quarterback at Baylor right as a junior and you know he gets hurt this year and now you have a thing I think at Baylor where it's like okay well shaping your hurt your backup Robertson comes in and he looks, he looks, my God! It's like some people that were questioning Blake Shapin. then you then you get Robertson coming and you're like, oh, never mind, <laughs> never never mind. Please get Blake Shapin in there. And so, but I will say Shapin is he is supposed to be able to play in this game. Um, he his, his MCL does seem to be healed up. He played in the last game, so I, I do think that when it comes to to um, or actually no, actually. No, he didn't play in the last game. He sh- he, this should be his first game back, actually, now that I think about it. Should be his first game. I, don't, I thought he did, but I don't see it in the game log. Oh, he did play last game. I'm tripping. Edit this. Um. <laughs> uh, so he played in the last game. Should play in this game as well. And But it's a big question of, you know, I think though they're happy to see shaping back, are we going to see the shaping that we saw in the fourth quarter against UCF, or are we going to see the in that wasn't great last year, except for one game last year, which was the game against Texas Tech where you
0: balled out? The question. That is the question. And I think Texas Tech fans can really take a lot of... This is where we kind of start to depart. Hopefully, this is where we start to depart with the narrative, with this kind of quirky, fun narrative that Baylor and Texas Tech are having very identical seasons. That Houston game, we feel like, watching that game, we had a really clean game. Morton had a clean pocket. Ninety percent of the dropbacks clean pocket. Um, not a lot of question about the ability of this team. We know the ceiling of this team, and we've known the ceiling of this team. And so, getting that Houston game the way we did, we dominated. You know, it took our defense a little bit to wake up. And I love that. You know, the tweet that we already talked about it. Ben Roberts, kind of addressing the slow start for the Texas Tech defense, said he just had to get his sweat on. Just had to get my sweat on. And then I was ready to play. So after the halftime. That's when they're like, ah, you know, we're warmed up now. Let's not let them get any more points.
1: Yeah, so what's gonna happen is they're just gonna put all the all the defense in a sauna <laughs> yeah.
0: before the was... game. <laughs> like, all right, get about all right, there. Everybody, eight AM sweat <laughs> sesh. Let's go. Yep. <laughs>
1: That's right. I will, say, I will say this real quick before we get off of Shapin a little bit. Last year, as I'm looking at looking at his stats from last year, the QBR, so Blake Shapin. Anytime he had a QBR over 70, the record for the Baylor Bears was 6-1. 6-1 having a QBR over 70. Um, Or sorry, 5-1. 5-1 having a QBR over 70. When he had a QBR less than 70, um, they were...
0: Uh, owen six. Not great, Bob. So not ideal, not the ideal. No, not great at all. So it's, it's, you
1: know, it's, and actually, sorry. And I, I gotta, I gotta re- rephrase that. It was actually, uh, uh, two and five whenever they, he had a QBR less than 70, but I will say this, and it's very interesting. And when he's not bringing that up is, is that it, where he goes, the offense for Baylor goes. Right, even the one loss that they had with having had a QBR over 70 was against TCU, in which Baylor should have won. That was a game where Baylor had the game in the hand, and TCU magic happened, like happened all last year, where they were able to pull out uh, from their back pocket right at the very end. But every other game, I mean, Shapin had to play well, had to perform well in order for Baylor to win, and I think that's going to continue to happen. The UCF game, Shapin struggled early in the game, and they caught on caught on in the fourth quarter they had this huge comeback and that's going to be really big right what is texas tech going to be able to do are we going to be able to stop him right he isn't luckily for us i guess in a way he's not he hasn't really used his legs as much he's a decent scrambler but his bread and butter is staying in the pocket and delivering strikes so are we going to be able to make life miserable for him up front right or we've talked about it a bit our d line has been really good up the middle not so great on the edges if Miles Price and Steve Linton aren't getting pressure on the edges, it's, it, life can be a little bit easier for the defense, right? Coach Darude has done a really good job of blitzing and bringing pressure, so it's not just Linton and Price on the edges. Whether it's whether that's uh, Josiah Pierre who might be who sh- is questionable for this game, whether that's uh, Ben Roberts on a blitz, whether it's C.J. Baskerville on a blitz, he's one of my favorite blitzers. Um, <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, whether it's, you know, getting pressure on Blake Shapin, I think will be a big, big thing that Texas Tech going to have to do because where he goes, his team
0: goes as well. Well, and I think that's a really great amount. That's a really good observation there. And something that Baylor kind of did really well that gives me pause. So there's an excitement about this and then a pause about this. The fact that Shapin is staying in the pocket most of the time he's dropping back because that's where he's going to be most comfortable. I think that does play to Texas Tech's strengths. We don't like a quarterback who can get out and run. That just complicates our defensive scheme. Um, Doesn't make it impossible, but really kind of puts a wrench in a lot of things, and that can create chaos that will open up opportunities. I mean, it's the reason that we struggled so much against Houston early on is because Donovan Smith is a quarterback who can run, and he, he liked to do so whenever the opportunity presented itself, and so it kind of kept drives going. Something I don't like is that in the UCF game, in that fourth quarter, they were really exploiting the middle of the field with receivers. And something that we could use a little bit of help with is defending the middle because we have given up a few uh, passes over the middle that have been kind of frustrating. We'll put it that way. Um, But that's kind of been a thorn in Texas Tech's side for – some time now, I feel like it feels like a nagging thing that won't ever go away. But with Josiah Pierre coming back, um, with Ben Roberts kind of playing the way that he's playing, I think that there's a good opportunity for us to take away that element. Um, As we think about, you know, how are we going to kind of game, how are we going to kind of defensively scheme for this game? When when last week we discovered that the more off we were, you know, the the less we pressed – the more opportunities Houston got, you know, are we going to kind of adopt that same thing? Or are we going to be, I don't know, you know? So this whole mix up with Shapin is like, what kind of quarterback he's going to be after the MCL injury. He didn't have a really hard time. I mean, fourth quarter Shapen looked like fourth quarter Max Duggan to a degree of, um, to the degree where he's just like, I can't believe this guy has this kind of motor. I can't believe that he's like continuing to produce like this at the end of the game after he's come off this massive injury. So does he sustain that? I really don't feel feel like it, um, especially with the the stats that you've kind of identified. Um, and even if he does, you know, does Texas Tech have a more cohesive defense than UCF to make that problematic? There's a lot of good questions that really we're not going to get answered until you know we see what 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 Texas Tech team shows up in Waco um, for what time is it, what time is the game? Oh, it's at uh, eight p.m. Central, right? that's late so I don't know you know are we uh are we gonna be satisfied with a night game like that we'll see
1: we, we don't got a choice we better be right like that's yeah we better be. that's that's kind of that's kind of where we are right now is that this team better kind of shape up and and make sure they're ready I think one place we can take advantage and I kind of talked about it is really getting to the getting into the quarterback Baylor right now is third in the conference in sacks allowed i thought
0: you were going to drop a i thought you were going to drop a ad read right there uh, no. <laughs> i was convinced man nope, nope,
1: go ahead. I'm, I'm, it's, it's coming when you least expect it um you know so uh it's but but baylor's third in the conference in sacks allowed i'm not going to tell you who's tied for first um but uh, uh that's really where we can get to the quarterback i think this is a, an opportunity over a baylor o-line that is not the best where we can get after the quarterback. Now, I will say, last time I made the same comment, uh, the Houston O-line played fantastic, right? Uh, the Houston O-line was, well, at least for a half. They played, they played fantastic up uh, to that point. So I do think that the Texas Tech defense is going to have to wake up and say, we can get to this guy. We can go to this guy. Let's peel our ears back, especially when they're passing the ball, and get there. I will say, but I, one thing to kind of be on the lookout for here is their running game. And their running game is not too shabby. They got some studs uh in the in the backfield, particularly a guy that we should know a lot about and Richard Reese. Richard Reese, who was a freshman last year, played really well last year, um, almost a thousand yards as a what is a true freshman out of Belleville. And he's still here this year as well, leading the team in rushing with 225 yards already on the season, and he's gonna be a bit of a problem.
0: Yeah, um he he'll it, be a problem for most teams. Here's the thing. Texas Tech has done really well this season continuing to do really well at defending the rush starts up front with the line but I think we have a really good linebacking crew that fills those gaps we have done an exceptional job with stopping the run so I don't care who they line up back there I do have a lot of confidence in us shutting down that run game because we've done a really good job at that all season long anybody coming straight any running back coming straight out of the backfield we have, a, we have a much better chance of stopping them at the line or keeping them to a really short gain. So I'm not as worried about that, but it is somebody you definitely need to keep an eye on because um, if if we do mess up on those assignments, he'll make you pay.
1: Yeah, and I'm very curious, I think, as I think about this game. How much does Baylor want to run? So Baylor is one of, if you just look at their stats, they're one of the league's you know, worst rushing teams. They're, they only have 700 yards in the season as a, as a group. The only game where, where Baylor just rushed like crazy was the game against Long Island. Now, the game against Long Island, they put up 270 yards on the, on the ground. And the reason I bring that game up, I know most of the time it doesn't matter, but it's also the only game where they had a lead. Right. It's the only game where they had a lead uh, throughout the game. And so even if I look, so so and the reason I bring this up is I'm saying, though they pass the ball more than they run, I am curious to know, is that by design or is it because they're always playing from behind? Right. Is it always that, man, we have to keep throwing the ball to catch up? Not only that, but Blake shapin has been injured. Right? So they're not only playing from behind, but Blake shapin has been injured, and they've had Sawyer Robertson come in. I will bring up another, good, good, another example of the Utah game, and it was a game where they did have the lead. And so in that Utah game, they didn't run it particularly well. Right, Dominic Richardson, another running back, a transfer running back that came in. He had 14 carries on the day in that game against Utah. Um, but they want the best running team, and that was a very good Utah running game. But I do think when it, er, run defense, sorry for Utah. So I think for their in their minds, if you're a Baylor, you're thinking, well, maybe let's try to pass with Sawyer Robertson, hoping. That to catch Utah off guard until, you know, Baylor realized, no, this quarterback's not any good. So we probably shouldn't pass the ball with him. But I'm just, I'm very curious. You have a guy like Richard Reese, Richard Reese and Dominic Robertson in a perfect world. Would you want to run the ball more or, or not? Or do you still trust this O-line to keep Blake shaping upright? I think there is that unknown that I don't know if anybody really knows. I don't know if, because again, last week they were passing the ball a lot, but they were down the whole game. Right. And so, like, I don't think anybody really knows in a perfect world. What does Baylor want to do?
0: I don't know. And hopefully this game will help kind of um, I could care less if they find it out. But I imagine that this game is really going to give them an opportunity to test that theory, um, because I don't know if we'll come out swinging as fast as we have in the past, uh, because hopefully we are hopefully we are trying to recreates like the Houston game plan and just molding it for the Baylor. Right. Let's, let's continue to run the ball. Let's continue to utilize our running backs. Um, But you're so right. Like when you get down offensive coordinators are thinking, how do we get down and score quickly? And that is never like the first thing that comes up is never a, let's hand the ball off. Right. Um, One of the most frustrating things about maybe a Kingsbury esque throwback here is like being down Having a long down to go, like third and whatever, and then hey, let's let's do a halfback draw. They'll never see it. They'll coming. never see
1: it coming. <laughs> They'll never see They'll it never coming. They'll never
0: see it coming. <laughs> and so like it's just not really in the it's not in the game plan for most offensive coordinators. But I think that abandoning the run, you know, Baylor any team, if you abandon the run, you're really putting a lot of pressure on your quarterback, on your offensive line, on your skill guys. To make it happen. And oftentimes that kind of pressure really doesn't culminate in the success that you're wanting it to. It 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 results in more dropped passes. It results in bad rushed reads. There's just so many things that go along with that. That the run game psychologically does so much for the rest of the team. It's it is an integral part of any offensive um game plan. And so I don't care what Baylor does this, I don't care what Baylor does Saturday. I do hope we, if we're up or down, that we continue to 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 pound the rock because it, it's just it, – we are night and day when we do and when we do not. So,
1: Jeremy, one thing I do think you'll like about this Baylor uh, offense, is when they get to the Red Dome, they use a guy. They use a guy, and he plays a position that you seem to love, and that is the tight end. They use their tight end, uh, Big Drake Dabney, great name by the way, uh, Drake Dabney He has three touchdowns on the year Because they, they use him They're going to pass the ball to him Also good receivers here in Hal Presley Monterey Baldwin Keetron Jackson Really have a starting lineup Those four get the high majority of the passes And we're going to have to contend with them I, You know, I will say um, Outside of maybe Hal Presley Not names that the, a casual fan Will really know and stick out But good, solid, consistent receivers Hal Presley is a, is a he's, he's decent He's nice He's nice but overall, I think these are guys that aren't going to really stick out to you. You're not going to – the casual Big 12 fan isn't just going to know who they are. But they're consistent. They're there. They're going to be there. Uh, if shaping can get the ball to them, they're going to make nice passes. Maybe not get too much yak, but get nice passes and make and, – and, and be there when necessary. Um, and so that's that's kind of the Baylor offense. As we, we think about, you know, the, the defense a little bit, where one thing I, I do want to call out on the defensive side of the ball – is kind of their their do everything type of player, guy who's got sacks, pass defense, uh, passes defended, you know leads the team in tackles. Matt Jones, their senior linebacker, but he's a dog.
0: I mean, yeah, 240-plus pounds from Odessa. Um, somebody that you probably think, uh, McGuire had a hand in recruiting. Obviously, um, somebody that you think would uh, hopefully in the future because Odessa, you know decent high school with good athletes that come out of that West Texas Permian Basin. Um, You try to get, you try to recruit to tech, right? Just an absolute ground, like just a hard worker, man, hard dude coming out of Odessa and leading the team. Is he, is he stellar by any measure? Not necessarily. But this Baylor defense isn't necessarily stellar. No, they're not. Um, <laughs> but he's certainly trying to do his best. He's probably the hardest working guy on that. He definitely is uh, illustrative of the brand that we've come to know and hopefully love um, with more success. But yeah, I mean, you got Matt Jones. But you look down. I mean, you look down the roster. Devin Bobby's getting um, a lot of tackles. Uh, another guy alongside Matt Jones can be Mike Smith Jr. Um, but some of your leading tacklers are actually your defensive backs. And I've said it on this podcast in years past. If the guys who are leading your tackle, uh, leading your tackle sheet are defensive backs, it mostly means that you're getting torched. <laughs> unless. You're, you're, you're ba- unless. His
1: name is Jalen Petrie. <laughs> unless your name, yeah, uh, Unless different. you're going to the league, right? <laughs> built, built different. Unless right. You're built
0: different. <laughs> unless you just built different. that's the exception. (laughs) I don't think it's Baylor this, I don't think Baylor's got that guy this year. Um, So yeah, no, it's an interesting squad. And I think that, well, and so we can't look at, and the interesting thing about Baylor, Baylor's defense as a whole, right? Is that, you know, they'll give up 42 points to Texas state, but then they'll only give up 20 to Utah. Right. Uh, But then they'll give up 38 to Texas and then they'll give up, Thirty-five here's to UCF. Right.
1: Hey? I right, I'm not gonna. Here's what I'm gonna say about this. All right, Utah was playing with their second and third string quarterbacks. Um, I, I I'm not gonna sugarcoat. It. I'm gonna say I mean, this is tortillas and tags. I'm gonna be real about mine. This defense stinks. Okay. The defense stinks, right? I'm going to be real about mine. Listen, I said it last week and I, I was I was about to be meme to oblivion if Donovan Smith and that Houston offense just continue to destroy Texas <laughs> Tech. I, I promise you <laughs> I was going to. Because, you know, I, I jinx us a lot of the times. Um but I'm gonna I'm I'm jinx this again. I don't care. I don't care. Uh Baylor's defense stinks, right? I think their their best bet in this one what they would want if you're a Baylor fan, what you would want is a shootout. Because your defense isn't very good, right? You talked about it. You give 42 points to Texas State at home. Against Utah, sure, you held them to 20. Their, their quarterback, their starting quarterback was out. They were going between two quarterbacks. Neither of them were very good. Even Long Island, you give, you know, Long Island, you do a pretty good job, but it's Long Island. Texas decides to have mercy on you <laughs> in that game. Right, And the UCF, luckily, the defense actually played pretty decent in the fourth quarter. But up to that point, you were you were kind of bleeding a little bit. The, the defense isn't very good, especially the run defense. We talked about Texas Tech being one of the better run defend, defensive teams in the Big 12. The worst, not one of the worst, the worst run defense in the Big 12 is the Baylor Bears. They, they, they let teams just gash them. It's how Texas State was able to win their game. It's how Texas running backs were able to put stuff on the highlight film. It was... That this Baylor defense is just, or especially in the run game, it's not very good. It's just not very good. And actually, I would argue that their their secondary is actually decent. And their passing defense looks worse because of how bad their run defense is. They're committing more to the run and then getting gashed by the pass every now and again just because of that. Like, they have some guys. Like, Tevin Williams is a good player. Right, Tevin Williams is a guy that I think a lot of people would like. Even Bryson Jackson, I think Bryson Jackson is a good guy in that secondary. This front seven or front six, I should say, is not any good. They're not good. That's that's the problem. You know, you know what defense that this uh, team reminds me of. It reminds me a lot of that Keith Patterson, three three five. We don't want to blitz. We will let you push us down the road defense that's what this reminds me of and it's just it's it is a struggle bus especially in the run game um for this for this team and this defense and i I do think that if you're a baylor fan you want to shoot out because if it's a defensive battle at all you're gonna lose
0: it's a very good point it's a very good point
1: um you know i make i make plenty of good points jeremy most importantly my biggest point is You know you gotta get dressed nice. You gotta get dressed nice, and we gotta we do it by going to charliehustle.com. Charliehustle.com is where we get all of our uh, best stuff for Texas Tech gear. They specialize in Texas Tech clothing and. They're, they're in from Kansas City, so they know what it is when it comes to the Chiefs. They know what it is when it comes to our boy, Pat Mahomes. So they want to make sure that you are the best-dressed fan this season by going to charliehustle.com, getting your Texas Tech stuff. Not only that, like like I mentioned before, they, they listen, they want to have this nice Kansas City-Texas Tech partnership. They want to have it to where they see Texas Tech people are in, in Kansas City walking the streets. Having that Pat Mahomes connection right there, so make sure to go to charliehustle.com, that Kansas City based uh, store there, and use our promo code that is ten twelve fifteen. That's t e n one two one five for fifteen percent off all non-sale items. Ten twelve, uh, fifteen for fifteen percent off all non, non all non-sale items. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. So, Jeremy, we're about to have our, our, our guest come on here to talk. More butt. To talk more butt. And and I would make more butt jokes, but they would just crack me up.
0: We are at 42. We're at 42. Butt hey, man. References. I'll be, I'll be here all day.
1: <laughs> That's right. That's right. So without further ado, let's go ahead and bring on our guest from the Beard in pod and from our Daily Bears. We have Joe Goodman. Welcome to the podcast, Joe
2: joe goodman the joe goodman as as i'm often referred to the yeah. Joe, yeah,
1: my bad my bad the joe goodman uh but i you know i didn't know we were i thought you were from baylor not ohio state but um is, no. the baylor <laughs> Univer-
2: is there another you know i mean the
1: good man as we are or as we were told many times last week during the uh baylor ucf game the the world's what or america's oldest and biggest private university right because they said that about i heard that Ten times during that big game last week. This is true. Uh, we, yeah. Also, the oldest
2: uh, oldest university in Texas as well.
1: That's just true. Uh, which I which every Baylor person. Here's the thing, Joe. Every Baylor person I've ever met, every every Baylor person I've ever met in my life has made it sure to tell me the fact that it's the oldest university <laughs> in the
2: state of Texas. We don't have a lot, man. We we don't we don't got a lot. So we t- <laughs> we you know we hold on to what we have. <laughs> Our, and i think the reason why
1: we get along is because you're, you're part of old baylor and when i say old baylor i mean like when baylor was in in the dumps
2: yeah like if you're a fan from my era like you earned it <laughs>
1: exactly see a lot of these new it's kind of like it's kind of like we're, you know as, as astros fans a lot of the, the the young bucks all they know of is actually oh, being good they astros don't know about they don't know about 2011 <laughs> they don't know about this. They don't know about the trenches where we had to go through. They don't they don't remember Miguel Tejada, okay? They don't remember any of this.
2: Oh god. Carlos Lee when he was our best player? Carlos Yeah, they don't remember any of that. But uh welcome to the pod Joe. So
1: as we've we've spent some time talking about uh, all things but we've really cracked it wide open. And so uh <laughs> we we want to talk to you about the Baylor Bears and I want you to tell us why Baylor is gonna open up all right, a can I can tell you
2: exactly backs. why because each of us has played five games this season all right five games we're both two and three okay two and three what did we do in the very first game of the season right we both we both <laughs> lost to basically a borderline FCS team week two we both lose to like a top 16 pac 12 team week three. We both beat up on a school that nobody gives a crap about both like literal FCS schools. Then first big 12 game of the year, we lose a game that we really wish we hadn't have lost. And then the next time we beat up on a newbie in the big 12. We've had the exact same season so far. If you look at the statistics, Baylor actually averages more on offense than Texas tech does this year. Only 20 yards more given up on defense and offensively, we did all that with a really bad, really inexperienced backup quarterback. We now have our starter back, and that's reversed for you guys. You guys are putting in your backup as good as I think Baron Morton is. um, The experience is not there that Shuck has. So essentially, we've had the exact same season, but Baylor has had a worse quarterback doing the exact same thing, which means Baylor kicks that butt this weekend.
1: So, the reason I started laughing is because this rundown is perfect. We've actually had oh, there we go. at the beginning of the episode. There we go. Like, t- t- tit for tat. We're the same team. The, but you do bring up a really good point as far as Sawyer Robertson playing three of those five games, right? And being that that main guy for three of those five really games. Really three and a half,
2: if we're being honest. Because Shapen went down in the first half of the Texas State game. I mean, that's when he got hurt. Yeah,
1: And, and Sawyer Robertson is he stinks and so um so that is a really good point now i i think the argument from the tech side is that kyla shuck wasn't great either or so far this year i should say i i'm I, as, a, as a as a shuck bro all right as the probably the last person left on the shuck train um i will say that this year what he has shown in this year wasn't great now that being said it's not like baron morton set the world on fire right I think where Texas Tech's coming in is saying that our defense has been sound. Even if we've given up some plays that we shouldn't have given up in in previous games, our defense has been sound. Our run defense has been very good. And once the quarterback in Baron Morton comes alive a little bit more and gets more comfortable, we'll be better. Plus, finally, the offense is realizing that there's a guy named Todd Brooks that we should probably sell. You know,
2: last season, uh, there was a... What was the guy's name that started against Baylor last season when Pat Mahomes was there, getting honored on the field? Oh, man, it was in Lovick. It was this. It was Baron Morton. That was his name, and he threw three interceptions. That's right. That's right.
1: Listen, first of all, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> that's, that's a, a good, good point. All that's right, let me do this, you know, Jeremy. No. <laughs> Let me just put this out. there. a game didn't happen.
2: When I think of the 2022 season, that's the only game from last year that I'm 100 sure did happen. <laughs> <laughs> when I think of the 2022
1: season last year, I looked through all of it and I, and I say, you know, the Oklahoma State game was crazy because of this, that, and the other, and and like I'm not like I, I reclude all losses, right? So some of the losses that was the one game you look at and you're like, man, we just we just got our asses kicked. We just got whooped. There was no, there's no silver lining. There's no, <laughs> there's no well, if We only done this better. There's no, oh what, what if we had this game? It was. I feel like Joe McGuire went into the game wanting it too badly. He wanted that game too much, and we just got taken out to the woodshed at home, which we were much better at home than we were on the road last year, and just got whooped.
2: Yeah, you know, you, you, you when you got when you have like your native son coming back to town and everybody was super, I can tell you right now, even Baylor fans didn't expect to see what they saw in that game last year. Um, but that, and the, that in the Oklahoma game, the two, I think those were maybe the only two road games we won. Those are the ones we held on to from last year. Cause it was last year. wasn't that exciting for us either. Yeah,
1: no, the game didn't happen. So that's why so I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I do think that the fact that these two teams line up so very well is very interesting uh, one thing we had talked about earlier in this episode is not knowing what your offense likes to do, right? Because your offense has passed the ball a lot, but you all, your offense has also been behind a lot. Your team's been behind in games a lot, right? You have a guy like Richard Reese who's a really good running back. I think your run game is actually pretty good, but is it – do you want to run the ball and you just haven't yet getting, been given the opportunities to do so in an extensive manner? Or is are you truly a passing team?
2: Our offensive line has been – um below average at best and just booty. Um, I'll throw another pun in there for you. Uh, at, at worst. Uh to be fair to our team, though, is we've played Utah and Texas in two of our games, which have two of the most dominant defensive lines in the country. Um, that said, our our offensive line played so bad against those two teams. It was like it wasn't like, oh, they're just better than us. It was they were clearly in a tier different than us in the trenches. Um, Texas especially, it looked like our guys our guys were on skates. Um, they did get better, though, against UCF, which is, I think, a set of competition that's closer to the skill set of, of Baylor in the trenches. Um, I know Texas Tech, you guys are really, really strong on the interior defensive line, so I'll be, intri- I'll be intrigued to see if you can stop the run game similar to the way like Tavondre Sh- uh, Sweat did in the Texas game against us. Uh, but Jeff Grimes will always, always, always be run first. The problem this season has been... The offensive line's inexperience and youth not being able to get that wide zone going. We finally saw a little bit last week, so it'll be interesting to see if that carries forward. Maybe the offensive line is gelling more, Um, but it's kind of 50-50. And like you said, when we can't run the football, we're getting into a lot of three and outs. We're giving up a lot of points, which means we have to start throwing the ball more um, but Grimes is always going to want that passing game to be supplementary to the run game. Like run, It's always going to be a run-first team. If you go back and watch 2021, when we were at our best in this offense with Tristan Ebner and Abram Smith, a really experienced offensive line, we didn't have a whole bunch of high-scoring games. Gary Bohanna didn't have to throw the ball around the field a whole bunch. We always, always, always wanted to beat teams on the ground. So if we have the capability to do that on Saturday, we will. It's just going to be... Is the interior of Tech's defensive line, which has been stellar this year, going to be able to dominate not dominate us in a way that, like, Utah or Texas already have?
0: No, I think that's a really great assessment, Joe. I think that something that we are proud of, and you pointed it out, um, defensively, it's been kind of an interesting flip script for Texas Tech this year where, you know, we have had the defense has been the most stable part. You know, nothing incredible, but the most stable. And oftentimes that's all you need and so for us the kind of big win on our defensive on the defensive side of the ball is the fact that we've had a really good run defense and that's something that Tim reuter is a big proponent of because for him it comes down to applying the most pressure on the line as possible and with the hope that the blitz package gets you know if we do a blitz package like they can get through that as well and create chaos in the backfield so all the pressure is completely up front um uh, but at the same time, you know, you do make a good point like what kind of like <sighs> we had a slow start against Houston last week. A team that I think consensus consensively we can say like mm, they're probably last in the Big 12. Um they're probably going to remain where they are. I mean, yeah. Down-wise, yeah down-wise, they're not there. With three. Uh, they they ain't bottom. there. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, think, yeah. they, they're dookie. They're total butt. And so um I think that a good a good game film for Baylor to be looking at is that first half for Houston. Like, how do they mitigate? Um, how do they mitigate Texas Tech's defensive line? How do they mitigate the linebackers? How do they? How do they give? I mean, <clears throat> Houston put up an extraordinary amount of yards in one half before the Texas Tech defense woke up and you know shut them out in the second. For Baylor, my question to you is. You know, what is kind of the mindset of, I, I, I'm trying to like, because Shapin, you know, Shapin is a good quarterback for Baylor. We see, we've see we seen how he's played um, coming off of an MCL injury, right? And then playing against UCF the way that he does in that fourth quarter, especially. Um, what is the mindset here? Like, are you guys looking to, can you just give us kind of a 30,000 foot view as like a Baylor fan, as a, somebody who covers Baylor athletics, what is the hope for this weekend? Like, what is the game plan in your mind for Baylor to absolutely dominate Texas Tech, de- like offensively? Because um, you got good weapons. If we can, we were talking about them. If pre- we this. can run
2: the ball for, if we can run the ball for maybe four a clip, somewhere an average around there. Um, it doesn't need to be a great game, but enough to keep Texas Tech honest, and then that would allow us to set up what is the real dagger plays in our offense, which are the, the play action bootleg passing. Um, so Alba, you'll remember, like, you know, think of the old Kubiak days, um, down with the Texans, you know, we want to run, um, you know, a wide, a wide run look bootleg to the opposite side and then hit you with something with a crossing receiver through the middle, whether that be Baldwin or a tight end, Um, And then when you guys start coming into the middle, we start running that play action and hit you deep on the outside. Um, That's that's kind of what they do. Everything is there is predicated on if the run game can keep the defense honest, then the passing game can force the defense into different areas where they hit you with the gash plays. Um, You're not going to really if if you get us to a point where we have to kind of dink and dunk you down the field. That doesn't excite me too much. When we are at our best, it's when Richard Reese and Dominic Richardson can go out there and they can get three yards here, five yards the next play, four yards after that. And then, boom, we hit you with a first down pass play that gets for 21. That's what that's what Baylor does when they are at their best. Um, And then when they're doing that, the second part is converting in the red zone. We have, like, as I've mentioned, we have problems in the trenches. So when you start getting down closer in, you can't take those deep drop backs. You don't have as much space for the receivers to run and work with, and you really do have to rely on running the football. Texas Tech can bring more guys into the box, it makes it tough. So if we can convert those opportunities in the red zones into six points rather than three, that's what Baylor's going to need to do to to win this football game. But it's all, in my opinion, going to come down can they successfully run the football a little bit? Even with Sawyer-Robertson in the first half against Utah, we were able to run the ball at a, pretty much at an above-average level. Utah made some um, adjustments in the second half that really stopped our run game. But when we were able to run it on them in the first half, we controlled that football game, and we scored more points than they did. We were leading at halftime. So – um, that's the core to what we want to do offensively. So if you can stop the run and make us one dimensional, um, you have a huge advantage. And that's kind of what you see. Like we were actually pretty good against UCF. We just weren't converting it. There was a, there was a point in that game. We were down 21 to seven. We were driving with the football. There was a questionable fumble call that was returned for a touchdown that made it 28 to seven, but we were right there to make it 21 to 14. That changes the whole landscape of the game and changes what that comeback ended up having to be. Um, But Baylor gave up 21 points in the first six minutes of that game and then only gave up 14 the rest of the way, seven of it being a defensive touchdown. Um, And then they ended up scoring 26 points in the fourth quarter. So once they got that running game going really in the second half, that's what the core to everything was.
1: Well, you also mentioned a little bit about the defense. So is the defense better than it seems? Because let me tell you something from a high level view, the defense looks booty. Looks like, you know, it not it don't look great. And I uh, you do have um, Matt Jones I think is a, is a is a really good a linebacker, a really good player he's just slow. um but I was even yeah, I mean, he's you know, he's uh he's <laughs> he's a white linebacker. I don't know <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. all <laughs> so white dudes. He's a <laughs> He is a big old white dude, but he's a he's a, he's a good big old white dude. Actually, does remind me of an older version of our freshman linebacker Ben Roberts, um, in in the fact that he is a you know he is a old school stereotypical linebacker, but he's also gonna do kind of. A, be a do-it-all right even though he's slow has some of those that expertise he's a couple pass defended he's not a slouch on on the um defending tight ends he's not a slouch defending a running back out of the backfield good tackler it's that front six that really i think for baylor worries me and like i said i talked about it before with touchdown touch time and now if i'm a baylor fan it worries me if i'm a tech fan i'm delighted in it because i do think we're able to kind of get that kind of gash your, your D-line and linebackers a little bit in the run game because of it. I think your secondary is actually better than advertised. I think they're actually decent. And, I, and, I, and you know, I mentioned it earlier in, in our pod that I feel like your secondary gets hurt because of the amount of run plays you're giving up then their secondary plays up a little bit more and then occasionally you can get gashed by a big a big passing play because of it right and so your secondary is actually not that bad as the numbers will show but your run defense is what really hurts yeah that's born
2: out of the fact that the guy that we expected to be our nose tackle has been hurt all year we're starting a defensive end uh on the interior right now and he's just absolutely undersized and it's it's a tough position to be in he's the best guy that we have to play it but You know, when you're playing at this level, you need to have a little bit of beef and you're 100 percent correct because of the way that the linebackers are having to play. It's having an effect on the safeties. And so the safeties are some of the the lowest graded um, group that we have this year. They're having to get involved. They're missing tons of tackles. And it's because the safeties are trying to tackle really good running backs. The one sneaky good group. And you've hinted at this, that. Might be underrated, and I don't know because there's there was some accolades that were given out this past week, is our corners. They're super young, but they are very good. Um, The number one guy, if you're a Tech fan, then you're wondering who should I watch out for in this game on the Baylor side that I may not have heard of, number 19, Caden Jenkins. He's a true freshman corner. He was the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week last week. He was the Bronco Nagurski National Player of the Week for all of college football. Um, He had an interception, and he had the scoop and score in the fourth quarter to uh, to really – bring that comeback to full fruition. Um, but I have, I cannot believe what I've seen out of that kid just in one-on-one coverage this year. So if you want to throw the ball on us, the middle is generally there, but our corners have done a really good job of locking down the outside. So you're, you're a hundred percent correct. The run game up the middle and the passing game up the middle is where you can absolutely kill this defense.
1: So big games for miles price is what I'm hearing miles price our slot receiver big, go crazy, go crazy miles. So So, Joe, give us, before we get into it, Jeremy and I, I want you to give us your prize picks prediction, the team you think is going to win, the score, and why.
2: All right, let's see. Um, So, the team, I think, is going to win, and this really comes down to, we talked about this, these are, I feel like these are very much the same football team in a lot of ways, what we've experienced so far this season. Baylor has two key advantages in this weekend one they're at home that's just it's it's nice to be at home and Joey McGuire I love the dude to death not gonna not bashing him in any way I'm not lying I wish he was still a Baylor I loved that dude okay um he's like what one and seven on the road now in his career as a head coach so not a great track record on the road so Baylor's at home part two of this is I think Baron Morton is going to end up being a very, very good quarterback. There's a reason he's one of the highest, I think he may be the highest recruit that you guys have ever gotten in your history. Um, like there's a reason he was rated what he is. He's a West Texas kid. I know you guys, like your fan base wants to see him succeed, and I think he will. But Tyler Shuck has started most of this I think every game. Like, right? He started every game so far this season.
1: Until last last week. Last week was his until last his week. Baron Morton's so, first start.
2: You know, we've got you know, we've got a starting quarterback that has won on the road at Kansas State as a freshman, played in the Big 12 championship game as a freshman, started it um, and won it against Oklahoma State. Um, you know, he beat Oklahoma on the road last year. He's he, he beat you guys on the road last year. He started every single game for us last year. So he is back. We have a starting quarterback. And I think I, I don't think there's a huge drop off. But it's just the reps, the experience. You know, you guys did probably what the smart thing was at the time and named Shuck the starter pretty early, which means in preseason he's getting all those reps. He's getting that extra coaching. He's building those relationships with your starting receivers. Um, so I think Baylor has a home advantage and a quarterback advantage. So I think that's what puts it over the top. And I think it's going to be a very, very close game, likely decided by turnovers or uh, kind of some kind of special teams play. I think field goals are going to come into play here. So I'm actually going to take Baylor at uh, 31 to 27 is what I'm going to take this one at. 31,
1: 27, 31, 27. I like it. Uh, That's Joe Goodman, everyone. Joe, tell everyone where they can see you and send hate mail to you.
2: Oh, absolutely! My DMs are open, so send me all of the booty stuff that you can, all of your butt tweets, everything that you want to send to me. Um, don't send me your butt, though. I don't, I don't want to look at it. But you know, if you must, <laughs> I, I guess, guess my say, DMs are open. You, you ask,
1: you ask for the booty stuff on Twitter, of all places. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I did. I did ask for the booty stuff. So, you know, it's what I'm going to get. We'll see what tech fans are made of um, But You can find me on Twitter at the underscore Joe underscore Goodman. Um, you can also f- uh, listen to me um, at the Baird in pod. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at the Beard In Pod or Um And you also check me out on ourdailybears.com. It's the SB Nation site for Baylor. Um, and I've got uh, game recaps, uh, different kind of position grades, and other random stories that I'll write throughout the year. So you can find me in those places. Thank
1: you very much, Joe. That is Joe Goodman representing
2: Baylor. Sick Bears.
1: So that was Joe Goodman from the Beard and Pod. We, we had to take a little bit of a break because, so, as we're recording this, the seventh, your seventh ranked Texas Tech women's soccer team is playing also the seventh ranked BYU women's soccer team. The, the reason for it is there's a bunch of different soccer polls, excuse me, and ESPN just chooses the highest ranking for both teams. That's how it happens like this. But I will say that as we're watching this, the game is, the game is crazy. The game is crazy. It's 2-2 right now. Uh... Packed, yeah. I mean, I'll say this: BYU, they show out for their soccer. They came in the season with potential national title exp- like thought expectations. Their first year in the Big Twelve, and from the jump, we're like, we can win this conference. Um, I think they were uh, predicted to finish second in the conference, I believe, if not first. And that's not what Texas Tech was viewed. Texas Tech was viewed as, hey, if we can make the NCAA tournament, we'd be happy. Well, fast forward two months. These girls are humming. Texas Tech has been the fastest riser up the rankings. Uh, right now, top 10 team, top 15 team, depending on which which poll you're going through. And they have proved, they've had absolute great wins this season. And now they're going toe-to-toe with, I would argue, the conference favorite in BYU. And it's 2-2 right now, on the road in Provo.
0: This is a good squad. A squad that you thought, you know, Tom Stone's kind of building something. I expected maybe next year or even in two years to have like a complete feel where we can challenge for the big 12 and make a push during the, um, during the playoffs there. But no, just proven me and so many people wrong in kind of the best way possible. A lot of these young players, um, just really, uh, just playing really kind of above their expectation. And I, I think I, Tom Stone's done an excellent job getting them game ready. Um, For a team like BYU, we haven't had a loss yet. We've had 10 wins, a couple of ties. And we were joking, and we we will continue to joke even until the end of the season, that, you know, on the Tour and Takes podcast, we were thinking, yeah, it'll be a mid-year when they had that first game. first game, they tied (laughs) against against New
1: Mexico. And I watched that whole game. They tied against New Mexico, gave up a goal, and I was like, yeah, this just ain't it. Like, this is just going to be a rough— Because you mentioned, this is a young team. That's the craziest part about it. This is a young team. Right, especially on our forwards, um, our attacking unit, they're young. And so they, that was a thought of like, ah, it's going to be a long year. Retire New Mexico. Long year. 11 wins and only one draw later, and right now we're undefeated in Big 12 play, and they're going toe-to-toe, also not to mention winning in Austin against 14th-ranked Texas, winning in Waco against Baylor, right, um, beating Oklahoma, beating Cincinnati, a decent Cincinnati team. Like it's undefeated in Big 12 play, and now two and two against, like I said, the favorites in the Big 12, the BYU Cougars. Like it's, it's uh, wow, it's incredible.
0: Yeah, really proud of this team, really excited to see where this program goes. Um, it really is only up from here. Tom Stone's been doing a, an excellent job at curring really good recruits lately. Um, there's really no stranger to picking up strong recruits and developing them into even better soccer players. We talk about Janine Becky. There's also Kirsten Davis. There's so many people littered down. Well, I hate to even use that term because it's not litter, it's treasure. Um, you know, down the years that Tom Stone's been head coach here. It's just an all-around excellent soccer program. Excited to see, you know, kind of the success, the meteoric success that they've had this year. Really excited to see how the rest of this, first of all, the rest of this game shakes out. And really excited to see how the rest of this season shakes out. I think that this is definitely a top three uh, Big 12 team with the way that they're playing. Absolutely. And what a save by Madison White. Oh, my goodness. I mean, (laughs) everything is going well with the soccer team. Yeah, good good game, huh? (laughs) Good game. Yeah, deadass.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> so back to the butt. Uh, butt bowl, like we were talking about, uh, Joe coming in telling and, and I You know what? He brings up a really good point, though. I will say this. He brought up a really good point. Two, two, and three teams, however. Baylor's played at least three of those games with their backup quarter, with Soy Robertson, right? We've had our struggles, whether it's with Baron Morton, whether it's with Tyler Shuck, but those are our two quarterbacks. And I've, I've said it from the very beginning of the season that regardless of the quarterback, those are our guys. Those are our quarterbacks. For Baylor, Blake Shapin's a starter. And it's a distinct drop-off from Shapin to, to Robertson. You don't there's, there's really not that big of a drop-off from Shuck to Morton, regardless of who you think's better. Right, even if you think Morton's better, it's still not a big gap. And we saw that in in this game. Uh, we saw that especially in the in the game against Houston, where Morton didn't just take off. And even in the game prior to that, the week before, um, where you went from from Shuck to, 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 to Morton in that West Virginia game after the injury you, you saw that it wasn't a, a big difference. For Baylor, it was. And so that does lend the question of would Baylor have been better? Would Baylor have beaten Utah if Blake Shaven plays, right? would Baylor wouldn't have beaten Texas. But would they have not gotten embarrassed as much as they did um, had Shaven played? And, and now that Shapen actually got warm in that game against UCF, um, you know, do they actually have the advantage at the quarterback spot? I will say this. Even if I think that Joe has a point when it comes to the quarterback and that he has an advantage at quarterback, and I don't necessarily agree, but I see the the thinking there and I see that point. I overall offense, the way Kittley has called the offense last week at least, right? If that same Zach Kittley comes forward and calls that balanced attack, we will be in good hands, and that's where I feel confident there. Yeah.
0: I do like that, um, you know, Joe just really, to me, he didn't bring anything new to the front. I think what he did is he kind of matured the question that we had about what kind of Baylor offense are we going to get. And so kind of expanding on that with like, hey, well, Blake Shapin is actually a good quarterback, and this is how we, I think that, you know, it just it expands on that a little bit. And so we'll see, man. Uh, I'm still feeling a certain way about this game, and I think that – uh you know, maybe that pays dividends. Maybe it doesn't. <laughs> well,
1: Jeremy, this is not tortillas, and we'll see. This is tortillas and takes. So it's time for us to get our best takes and take some butt and do a prize pick prediction here for Baylor University versus Texas Tech. Um, starting off with your prize predict- prize pick prediction of who you think will be the player of the game on the offensive side of the ball for the Texas Tech Raiders.
0: I think that the way Baylor has been struggling against the run, I think that I'm happy to say Taj Brooks will have a stellar, another 100-yard night for, to make it four in a row.
1: Really going on a limb there, huh? You need, need you some Taj I'm, Brooks in your life, huh? Some,
0: and also, we have to acknowledge that it is not Taj time.
1: No, 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 no. It no. is according
0: to Todd Brooks. I don't Brooks, care. No, no, no. Not according
1: to Todd Brooks. Brooks time. According to the athletic department. And I'm not going to take that. It is Todd's oh, time. And spicy. I can, you know what? Screw this. I'm, we're contacting Todd, okay? And saying, hey, man, what is it? We got to do a poll. We got to figure this not. out. Because I saw this and I said, this <laughs> makes no sense. Right? Your name is Todd. I didn't think it it either. <laughs> yes. It's no, disgusting. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm not, going, I'm not, I'm not here for this. Um, but you are right. It has to be Todd Brooks. Todd Brooks gotta be the guy. Gotta be the guy there to ball. Because I do think that with how weak this run defense is, you gotta take advantage of that. You gotta take advantage of that. And Jeremy, I'm gonna say this. I already I mentioned Miles Price, but I'm gonna say another guy. Mason Tharp. Ooh. Mason Tharp up the Talk seam. Dirty to me. And Mason Tharp up the seam. I want I wanna see it. We have the advantage there. Let's use it. Let's use it. So what about
0: on defense? who got to be the guy? Josiah Pierre. Welcome back. It's got to be Josiah Pierre because we talked about how Baylor likes to throw across the middle. If they're going to do that bootleg and try to catch you off guard, Josiah Pierre is going to be that guy or Ben Roberts, somebody who's sitting in the middle, like we're going to have to have that cutoff guy. And Josiah Pierre is that kind of is that kind of athlete. And so. For me, man, I think Josiah Pierre, big game back, roar back with some authority, and then keep Baylor from doing something that feels comfortable.
1: So for me, I mean, you you heard you heard Joe say it. It's the interior line. And so give me the law firm. And I think I mentioned them last week they had a really good game, and I want I want them to do it again. Give me the law firm. Uh, of Hutchins and Bradford and and, uh, Bradford Uh, uh, Hutchins and Bradford. Yeah. Uh, Give me the law from both of them. Jalen Hutchins, Tony Bradford to really burst through the middle and make Blake Chapin's life difficult. Right. I want him to, to feel the pain. I want him to feel like, uh, why did I ever choose this profession? Why did I ever decide to be a quarterback in the big 12 That's where I want the the pain to be felt. So, um, again, us doing these prize picks predictions, make sure to go to prizepicks.com, use our promo code TAKES12, and that's gonna give you a 100% match up to $100. We are here. We are here to make you money. So, that is prizepicks.com using our promo code TAKES12. So, Jeremy, give me your prize picks prediction. What is Who's going to win, and what is the score?
0: My prediction. My prize picks prediction for this week. I liked everything that Joe said um, when it comes to these two teams, stacking them up together, looking in the mirror. Um, and so I do think that Baylor has a much more advantageous opportunity being at home and if it comes down to you know battle of the two if we're mid up if we're mid-offing again give me the home team I'm gonna actually pick like Joe picked I uh, I say I'll say Baylor's gonna actually sneak this one out in the fourth quarter with a ridiculous um shapin's gonna go off once again and I'll say that it's gonna be uh 34 27. So
1: what's gonna happen, guys, is that after Texas Tech wins, Jeremy's gonna say, "Ha ha ha, I just said this, so I, so I could, um, so I could just jinx it. Ha ha, y'all don't, y'all don't know this is. I'm actually doing this to help out the team. No, get on him. All right, he ain't gang." I'm I'm going with the I'm going with Texas Tech. Texas Tech to win this game. You know I'm acting totally different because I don't think I've ever picked a team as bad as this one to win so many times. Um, I, I haven't picked us I picked this to lose the Oregon game. Other than the Oregon game I haven't picked this to lose yet, and so uh, I've been wrong. But I was right last week, so I'm gonna continue it up. Uh, you know I like I like Joe's thirty one twenty seven prediction, so I'm I'm gonna keep it. I'm keeping it. But Texas Tech. They're the good guys in this one, and I think it's going to be an interesting one where Tech gets the lead, a nice Todd Brooks touchdown in the fourth quarter to give us the lead. Baylor's going to have three minutes to score and what's going to end to to score a game-winning touchdown. Because we're up four, Blake Shapin will not be able to score a touchdown to win the game, and Texas Tech wins. That is actually how the game is going to go. I'm telling you, I'm not even predicting it. I'm telling you how the game is going to go. So Blake um, is 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 not going to be able to get it done. Texas Tech's, tech's going to win it. Um, night game for Baylor, and it's not sold out. Jeremy, the game is not sold out. So Tech fans, get your tickets. The game is not sold out. It is a night game on the Brazos. It's a beautiful stadium. I, I do really, I really do love that stadium. Um, so so if you are not just in Waco, because why would you live in Waco? But if you live in Austin, you live in Houston, you live any other good city that's not Waco, drive to Waco and buy up those tickets. Let it, let, From thirty dollars, just easy thirty bucks. Nowadays, it's lunch. I'm I'm only half joking. Like legitimately, as I do reimbursements when I travel, like it legitimately is thirty bucks for lunch and dinner nowadays for yourself. It's crazy, but that's all it takes. So skip a meal, go to the game, sprinkle in some red in that sea of gold. Though I, Baylor calls it gold, that is yellow. That is like pea yellow. It's 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 uh, uh or you know. It's just nasty. You know, it's it's nasty as as the, as the butt we've been punting all day. Um you know. So So yeah, so those are our predictions. We'll make sure to let everybody know what we that that Jeremy is a Judas um and is choosing Baylor to win this game. So Jeremy, anything else you want to say to the people?
0: I don't think I think you've said enough, Albert. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, well, at the very least, Jeremy, have you're you're in Florida, so the tomatoes that are coming your way, you can't I'm get. I'm banished from the island. Yeah, you can't yeah, get. Them. <laughs> you can't
0: get them. I've I've fled, i fled.
1: Yep. So, um, but yeah, it should be a fun game, though. It should be a fun game. Glad to glad to have this night game. And the benefit of the winner of this game gets to 500. So, the winner of this game will have optimism. That's really, I think, the big piece here. The winner of this game will have optimism. The loser of this game will say, oh, my God, we're not making a bowl. <laughs> that's, the, that's where we're at for both teams, right? The winner of this game will say, this is where we turn the season around. The loser will say, oh, my God, we're, this is awful. This is the worst thing to ever happen. Um, I think, and actually, I would argue that if Baylor loses this game, Dave Aranda's seat gets a bit warmer. Um, if, if tech loses this game, just message boards will be on fire, um, all throughout the weekend. So, so yeah, so there's that. Um, so I will, you know, I, I could, I could end this episode with uh, all the butt puns I didn't use. Um, like Jeremy, where do cigarette butts go into the ass tray? Right. Um, can you tell me if butt cheeks are one word or should I spread it out? Uh, my butt nerves don't seem to be strong anymore, and I'm dead ass serious. All right? What is another name for a fart? A butt symphony. How are a brown noser and a butt kisser different? Through depth perception. <laughs> That's I like that one. Um, you know why your butt is squishy? Because if it wasn't, when you when you'd be sitting would be a pain in the ass. What happens when a cat's butt looks like a trophy? It is a catastrophe. <laughs> uh, let's see. I would love to see your butt because it would be a fascinating. Fascinating. There it is. Sorry. Um, what is a butt? What is a butt that is shaped like a fish? Halibut. Like halibut. Halibut. <laughs> Um how are families like buttholes? <laughs> they are meant to be tight. <laughs> uh and <laughs> and why is an offensive line like a butt? Cause it has a holes. Hey, there we go. And then there's the uh David Letterman sound off. So For um, Jeremy Gillen, the butt champ, this is your butt. I'll be short, and you have been listening to the Tortillas and Butts uh, podcast, part of the Ten Twelve Network. As always, stay wrecked, people.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.